0: Hello, welcome to episode 23 of the Trapping Today podcast. I'm your host, Jeremiah Wood, trappingtoday.com. Great to be here, and thanks for tuning in. It is April 15th. It's uh, springtime in most places, except for the far reaches of the north. Here in northern Maine, winter has just uh, been absolutely brutal, and it's hanging on. Um, it's It's really funny, I actually... Was watching a YouTube video on on Wolfernation channel, uh, which is Clint Locklear's channel, and uh, he he puts up uh, you know puts up videos every so often. He had a bunch of bobcat meat he just got in. He had to work on, and, and he's out there shooting all the showing all the buckets and pails full of bobcat meat. And Clint was standing there in shorts and flip flops, I believe, and he had. Like three or four inches of green grass on the ground, and I was just floored. Um, because that morning after I watched that video, I headed out on the snowmobile over uh three feet of snow and uh went down to my beaver traps, which were in uh two feet of ice. Um, and it was the dead, bitter cold winter, um, still. So, anyway, it's it's the 15th of April and Um, We're very fortunate that we have an extended beaver trapping season up here. We get uh, tons and tons of beavers, not a lot of people trapping them. So uh, we have uh, a very generous season that goes all the way till the end of April. So the issue is that in certain years and certain weather conditions, um, you may have a longer season than others. Uh, but typically you have, uh, a good two to three weeks where you get enough open water, especially at road crossings to be able to make, make sets and catch those beavers as they're starting to come out. And, uh, they get a little bit of open water. They're more active. They're moving around, checking out territories. They're feeding on fresh food and, uh, it, they're really easy to catch. It's amazing how, how easy you can catch them in that first, first couple weeks of open water. So, uh, Anyway, I this year there's places that are not going to open up. I mean, it like I said, it's the 15th April. We got 15 more days, and I'm still chipping ice to get to the few traps that I have out. <laughs> so uh, it's literally under ice, under ice beaver trapping, almost into May, um, and and it's been quite something. Uh, today the high, we still have. Uh, we we have a few places where you can see some bare ground in the fields. It's funny that the sun is really strong, uh, but but the air that northwest wind is blowing such cold air. Uh, but places where there's objects like dark objects um, that that get a little catch a little bit of sun like a rock um, that that'll melt around that object. But but um, just the bare snow uh, a little ways away is still two to three feet deep. So today the the high was 32 degrees. Um, it was I got up in the morning it was about I think 14 degrees and it got up to 32. So uh, not much snow melting right now. we get we get a lot and and I fear that it's gonna come quick and, and we'll have a lot of flooding. but anyway it's uh, it's kind of uh, just something you deal with on, on a, outside of the trapping. Um, I just spent five hundred and fifty dollars to buy a bunch of hay for my cows uh because i i should have uh i i should've, should have should should have been close to to being able to graze green grass um some stockpiled grass from last year on some bare ground and uh we're we're not gonna get even close until till probably after the first of may so i had to i had to get a couple more weeks worth of feed which uh Not cheap when you get a a pretty good size herd of of animals. So, anyway, you just kind of, we live here, um, and it's a tough climate, but we don't have a lot of neighbors, and it's, uh, land is pretty cheap. It's a beautiful place to live if you can survive it. So, anyway, that's uh, kind of just the way it is. So, as far as trapping, I'm going to wrap it up here. I think tomorrow I'm going to pull my under ice sets and... Um, I may, it looks like we're going to finally get some warm up and get some rain this week and I'm not going to be able to access that location once once the rain comes and, and uh, we're, we're probably going to have a couple feet of water on top of the ice where, where the rain's melting that snow. So, it's not going to be good snowmobiling conditions. Um, I'm going to probably pull those and... Uh, and if we do get some open water, like the last week, I'll probably set. Last year, I set, I don't, I just, I was so busy with other stuff. And I just wanted to get a few beaver for carcasses to make, make trap and bait for the following season. And I set three traps and I think I caught 10 beaver in like five days, four or five days. It was unbelievable. Every trap had a beaver in it every day. Um, like I said, they're, they're just moving so much that time of year. So I'll probably do that if we get enough, uh, if we get some open water spots that usually open up. I went yesterday and looked at a spot that by this time, um, there's at least, you know, even if the pond isn't opened up, there there's a, a crossing there. That's always, um, that moving water is always open and, and you couldn't see the water. You couldn't even tell there was so much snow um you couldn't even see the indentation where the stream was it was it was under a under a whole bunch of ice and snow still so we'll see what happens but anyway it's been it's been a pretty good winter um for me you know i'm kind of i'm just learning learning a lot um in this whole beaver trapping thing and and i've kind of taken it as an opportunity prices are low competition is low there's nobody out there especially if you get off the road and uh I, i've just you know i've i really had a blast I Had a lot of fun uh, i took you along on some with some youtube videos here and there show some things but you know i i had the first shed burned down and that was a big mess and didn't have much for traps uh, so so i get into the snaring um, i did the under ice beaver snaring and and i learned a lot i experimented with with different types of snare setups types of cable um poles um locations and and everything else and you know certainly got the 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 whole uh put put the sweat in uh, as far as uh, cutting holes in the ice chipping and shoveling and shoveling snow and chipping ice and scooping ice and everything else um making holes and and having five inches of water underneath the bottom of the ice and having to go find another hole just uh just a long list of experiences but <laughs> um i ended up I, I haven't really counted um i i think i've got around 25 beaver so not much but uh, you know a good percentage of those were were in the dead of winter when there's a lot of work to to get to a beaver so um, i'm kind of happy with that and and uh, every beaver is a, is a new experience. Um, I was getting misses with the snares. I haven't quite figured out if if that's just uh, something. Everybody I've talked to that has snared beaver says that, you know, that's a downside. You're going to have misses. Um, it's just kind of a, uh, a fact that you have to deal with when you're snaring beaver under the ice. Now, uh, there could be some, some really experienced snare guys around that, that might be able to tell me otherwise and, and uh, you know, maybe there's ways to, to really minimize the, the misses, but um, I've had a lot of situations where, where you've got the snare fired um, and, and the beaver is not caught or uh, they'll just go up and, you know, I tried dead poles with green sticks nailed to them and I tried green poles and uh, uh, the green poles, are um, they worked quite well except when the beaver cut the stick in half. So and and that happened um, quite often. So I don't know. I don't know if there's a if there's uh, a solution on as far as getting better percentages there, or if it's just a, a numbers game where you you just set more and expect to to have some misses. Um, I also you know places where you just you had to bait, and, and beavers came to bait really well midwinter. It was amazing how how actively they came to the bait. Um, but there was uh, situations where I, you know, I was tired of missing on the snares, and I said, you know what, I'm going to try baiting some 330 bears which uh, I I've always had reservations about, because because I've always been told that, and it makes sense, that uh, you know, if you miss a beaver and a conibear, uh, a baited conibear, there there's a tendency for to miss them, and if you do, that beaver is going to be awfully shy of conibears the rest of its life. So um, make it a lot harder to catch. And, and if it is a, a problem situation uh, where there's a nuisance beaver, you definitely don't want to do that and, and educate those beaver. So um, I did this in some places uh, far, far away from any roads. So there wasn't a concern that, that those were going to be problem beaver. And, and I did have a few misses. Um, but I had I had quite a few beaver caught in those baited 330s. I was pretty happy happy with them. Um, I did have the occasional place where they'd take the bait you know the bait was a, a stick of aspen that was wired to uh, the jaw opposite of the trigger typically and uh, I, I had situations where where they'd cut that stick in half and and haul it off and and wouldn't even set the trap off but um, the, there were there were cases that I, I was happy I was happy with the number of beavers I caught in there um, and then finally, I, I know, you know, the traditional way of, of trapping those beavers under ice um, with baited sets has been uh, the baited pole set with foothold traps. That's the, the old school, old timer trappers that have got a lot of beaver under their belts and chipped a lot of ice in their day. You know, they, they set this leaning pole, um, h- attach uh, some bait to just a little ways under the ice on the pole and below the pole they get a trap and the trap is set as sort of uh, so it acts like a platform where the beaver sticks his foot onto that platform to get to the bait and gets caught um from from all accounts that i've heard it's a very effective set um i i know a lot of people have used it for a long time um i haven't i used it a I, I did it a few times when I first started trapping years ago, but I never, I don't have much experience with them. So, uh, I went and made a bunch up. I, I well, I a bunch. I made five pole sets. Um, I basically just, I had the poles here at the house, and before I went out, I, um uh, I pre made them and I, I nailed the platform, nailed some cross pieces, um, as a platform for the trap to sit on, and, uh, got the bait all ready and, and set everything up, and I, I set. Uh, I made three thirty seconds uh, extension cables from. Went from the bottom of the pole where the trap could attach to the cable, all the way up to the top where it was going to attach uh, above the ice. Had everything good to go. Had the end sharpened and everything, and so all I had to do was uh, get there, attach the trap, set a wire it to the platform, um, sink it in, and uh, and anchor it. And, and tie it down with cable. Um, so, so I was pretty, pretty excited about that because I thought, well, this is this is going to be the trick. Um, I'm, I'm those beavers that I was missing in the snares and the 330s. You know, I'm, I'm gonna have them now. Well, it's just like anything else. If you don't have someone that has experience to, to show you how to do it, you will make mistakes. Um, you're not gonna have it dialed in the first time, and, and I did learn that. So, I I believe what I was doing wrong. Well, well, a couple of things I was doing wrong. But uh, first off, the I had the bait a little too high above the trap. And these traps I used, um, you know, you can use a number of different traps. They basically, like I said, my first shed burned down. All my trap, pretty much all my big foothold traps, I, I lost in the fire. So I went online and and I finally had a little bit of money in the bank and I bought half a dozen Duke number 4 four coils and uh, you know the Duke traps they're very affordable that's why I bought them um shipped I think they were 72 73 uh, for 6 of them uh, shipped and uh, of course when I got them they all need every one of them needed adjustment uh, the levers need to be uh, need to be adjusted the um, the dog, the the travel on the pan, everything everything needed a little bit of touching up. Um, you can't set them right out of the box, but uh, for you know for the price, um, they got me in, they got me trapping, so I was happy about that. But I had a, a a situation where the trap was sitting on the platform, the sticks were too high, and also I didn't have any backing. So I assumed that the leaning pole would be enough of a backing that they they'd want to go on the upper side of that leaning pole. But I think what happened was the beavers were coming in from the back side of the pole grabbing the bait sticks um and they were uh if they were going in the front they were floating over the top of that platform and not using it. So uh I I posted a picture up up uh on that and I I remade the set and made set the bait lower. And I posted that up on Instagram, and uh, there's a guy there that has some experience trapping him, and and he made some suggestions. He said, you need, you ought to set your bait um, an inch above the trap, like way, way down. And um, I thought maybe that was a little little bit extreme um, from the other things that I'd seen. Um, Use small sticks, and he said, he said, have a couple of sticks on on the side of your pole uh, as to make sort of a backing to keep them from coming from the backside. so i went back and i did that and uh i came back two days later and i had a beaver in one of those poles so it worked um so it was it was pretty awesome to to be able to take that advice from some random person that i'd never met before in my life and that just felt like uh being used being helpful it, it was great and and so, um, you know, I kind of swallowed my pride and went and made those changes. And sure enough, it resulted in a beaver. So, anyway, that was a nice little experiment with a few sets there. Um, and I'll, I'll I'll, probably do some more of that next winter. We'll, we'll see how, how things go. So, uh, the the beaver crew, um, there's, the for about, oh, 10, 50, 10 years now, um, since this extended beaver season has been been around there's there's been a few guys from downstate that come up every spring because their season closes and uh there's some hardcore trappers that that are are really good really skilled trappers and uh they come up and and they just put a hurting on the beavers so they you know they're they're catching two three hundred beaver um which you know, nowadays the, with the low fur prices and the, the few low number of people that are trapping, you know, that's a pretty big number. Two, three hundred beaver in two to three weeks. That's that's pretty good. So, um, I get a chance to talk with one of these old timers and, uh, yesterday and, and, uh, geez, I, we went sat down in just trapping camp and, and, uh, didn't want to leave. It was just amazing, you know, telling stories and listening to the, to a bunch of his trapping experiences, pretty cool, uh, really neat old timer, and uh, he's still a hard-working trapper, and he's putting up numbers. So it's great to see. Um, there's not a lot of uh, people getting into it anymore, so it was it was great to to get a chance to talk with him. He had a lot of information he was willing to share, and uh, he's buying a little bit of fur, and I'm gonna sell him probably sell him my beavers, and. Um, not going to get much money for them and i really don't care you know it's just i'll take i'll take a few dollars less per pelt if it means i can hang out with a a guy like that and and share ideas and talk trapping because we're a pretty small community and we don't all get out and talk to each other much and some of you know some trappers that can live across the road from each other and not get along so it's pretty neat when you meet some someone that's that easy to get along with and and is passionate about trapping um, and get to share share uh, stories with them. It's pretty cool. <clears throat> Alright, so uh, the next order of business. I want to talk a little bit about lure making. So it's looking like lure prices, commercial lure prices are set to increase. They're, they're going to be increasing um, I don't know how many people, or if, if everybody will participate in this, but um, uh, Paul Dobbins, uh, maker of Dobbins Lures, son of the legendary Charles Dobbins, has just announced on trapperman.com, his website and forum, that he's going to increase the price of his lures um, starting this year. Uh, lures, you know, lure prices have been pretty standard across the board in the trapping industry, $6 for a 1-ounce bottle, uh, $20 for a 4-ounce bottle. That's pretty much every lure maker sells for that price. And uh, Paul announced that he was his prices were going to go up to $7.50 for a 1-ounce bottle of lure. Um, I think it took one brave soul to, uh, to announce the increase, and, and I think a lot of the lure makers are now going to follow suit. So the issue, the problem with, uh, with the, the lure makers uh, having to raise their prices is, um, they're making lure for free right now, basically. And, uh, it's, it's pretty tough. It's a real tough game. These guys have recipes that require certain ingredients. And they will not stray from the recipe, uh, because they do not want to risk sacrificing the quality of the lures. So, uh. <clears throat> a lot of these guys have said openly, um, "I will go out of business before I do anything to change the lure formulation," and uh, that's, you know, that's a sign that, um, in a lot of ways, that's a sign of integrity. Where a guys not willing to change his formulation for, uh, uh, in order to, uh, you know, you know, to to stay in business just just for a financial financial reasons. Um, I, th- I think, I think you can change, uh, as long as you're open, um, about, about what's in the lure and what, uh, what you've changed as far as ingredients. Uh, however, you definitely, um, aren't going to know right off how the ef- effectiveness of your lure has changed, uh, when you change the formula. It takes years to, for that all to kind of flesh itself out. So, uh, Anyway, these guys are in a real tough spot, I think. I, I really, you know, you need to put a value on your time and when you look at the price of all the ingredients and, you know, they they're not making any money, honestly. I I looked at it cuz I you know, I bought a bunch of lure making stuff. Now, here's the here's the big the part of it that as far as I can tell is um, these bigger lure makers. So so I'm making the the long distance call lure for Martin and Fisher. And uh, I sell that on my website. I sell it on eBay. I actually sell it. I sell it for well, eBay. I got it for twenty bucks right now for four ounces, uh, but free shipping. Um, I'm usually like nineteen. I think nineteen on my website. Uh, free shipping. So I'm selling a little cheaper now. I can get away with that, and 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 the ingredients are quite expensive. Uh, I'll I'll preface it to say that um, it's. There's not a lot of margin there. Um, just when I make uh, I make four four ounce bottles, uh, I have just the skunk essence in that lure is there's uh, about ten dollars worth of skunk essence in that lure, and skunk essence has been going up in price. Um, so so there's you know I've got. Uh, if you look at all the ingredients I I've, I've got like $10 in into that bottle of lure before I even count my time uh, of ingredients. Now, I'm selling directly to the trapper. So that's not a problem, you know, I can I can sell, I can have $10 into it. Uh, I got some some time, cost of my time and and cost to um, to to market it and to, to get it sold and everything and the taxes for the, the government and everything else. So, you know, I can get by with, you know, I'm, I'm probably making, when it's all said and done, maybe $3 if I sell you a, a four ounce bottle of lure, I'm probably making two, $3 profit. However, I don't have to sell that lure wholesale. If I had to do what these guys do, the, all these big lure makers are selling to uh, all, every trap and supply dealer that carries their product. And they've got to sell at a lower price, they get to sell at a wholesale price for the markup. Um, you know, F and T is selling lures for six dollars an ounce and twenty dollars for a four ounce bottle. So if if I'm selling my lure to F and T, I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to sell for significantly lower than that for them to be able to make a profit. Um, to house that, distribute it and, and everything else. So um, if I had to sell if I had to sell my lure at a wholesale price which I don't know the markup on lure I'm guessing it's like 30 40 percent um, i I wouldn't I wouldn't be making money either um, so the cost of ingredients is 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 what's what's putting these guys uh, in a tough place and, and the biggest one is beaver caster and Paul I think Paul is hit pretty hard because he has a lot of beaver lures and and uh, a lot of his lures require beaver caster. Um, because the market for beavers is so poor, of course, the number of beavers being harvested is very low. That means there's less castor on the market. And even though the demand for beaver pelts is low, the demand for castor has remained the same because it's not, you know, it's the perfume industry, it's the, the food flavoring industry, it's the lure-making industry. It's all industries that are, are not directly tied to the price of fur. So, um, caster goes up. Skunk essence goes up. And uh, what happens is they, those guys are paying more and more for their ingredients. Everything's costing more. The bottles to, to bottle the lure in are costing more. Um, everything's going up and lure. Jeez, I don't think lure prices have gone up in forever. I can't remember an increase in lure prices. So, uh, they've stayed the same while everything else has gone up. Now... At the same time, um, a bunch of guys, you know, Paul announced this, that his prices were going up. Um, a couple of other dealers have already indicated they're going to raise their prices. Um, not, not really a lot of detail on that yet. But it, they're, you're selling these lures and increasing the price to a base of trappers that... Are selling their fur into a very low market. Um, aside from coyote trappers, of course, but uh, that that's a challenge as well. Um, some guys, a lot of guys, have said, "Well, it doesn't matter. I'm your lures are really good quality, and an extra dollar fifteen ounce doesn't bother me a bit. I'm gonna be, I'm gonna pay for it, um, and, and it'll be well worth it because I catch a lot of a lot of animals with the lures." Um, so that's good, and I, I hope that's the case. I hope that it doesn't affect demand much. However, I do think, uh, you know, there's there's going to be some sticker shock. There'll be some people that, that don't want to pay the extra. So uh, we'll see how that all plays out. But as always, I like to look at the opportunity in things and look at the positive. And I think there's a few guys that might be out there saying, you know what? Lure prices are increasing. I want to try making my own lure. So, uh, anyway, just so happens I'm, I'm doing uh, a lot of lure making stuff. And uh, I actually just published on YouTube a week or two ago the exact ingredients, every single thing that I use to make my long distance call lure. So uh, this LDC lure, I talked about it a lot here on the podcast and on on trappingtoday.com and talked about, you know, the issues that I that I had and problems on my line with lure and, and what I needed in a lure and, and so I I formulated a grease-based uh, long-distance call lure and that is, uh, I've been selling it for a little while and I kind of, you know, I'm I kind of have that attitude where I I don't feel like I need to keep it, the ingredients a secret. Um, I just, I kind of thought it would be neat to to share with people exactly how to make it and uh, let them know what's in it. And so even if, you know, there's been people that have, have watched the video and have gone and bought the lure. And I'm just thinking, well, I just showed you exactly how to make it. Um, it but, but I think people appreciate the fact that um, hey, this guy just showed me exactly what's in it and how he makes it. And it would be cool to make it, but I don't really want to buy all these ingredients. And I don't want to go through all that and have my shed stinking up and, and mix it all up. And Look, I can just buy a couple of bottles now and I know what's in it. So I know how I can evaluate it. Um, and that's kind of my goal with that is, is just to, to kind of be open and and give people a chance to, to buy a lure that they know they know what's in it. And all that being said, um, the whole idea of I don't want to buy all that stuff and I don't know this and that, I actually put together a kit. And this is a limited edition thing. Um, there's not probably not a lot of people listening to the podcast right now that are interested in this necessarily. Um, but I have, I think I have four or five for sale. I put together a kit that has everything you need to make this long distance call uh... predator lure and uh... basically i i just i i took everything that i had in to make the lure I all the ingredients and i boiled it down to the exact amounts you need to make four four ounce bottles of this lure so it's a total of sixteen ounces of lure uh... that would sell if you bought those four four four-ounce bottles uh... that would sell for eighty dollars and the lure making kit is seventy five dollars so you're even going to be a little bit cheaper but you're going to have the experience of being able to make your own lure you can adjust the quantities if you want you're going to know exactly what's in that lure you're going to have all everything that you need to make it um... so i think it's pretty pretty little unique little thing and i don't know that there's any anything like this available um anywhere else so uh and it's hard to find um right now the only place to get it is if you go to trappingtoday.com, and uh like i said i can't guarantee i don't think they'll sell very fast just because of the time of year but i can't guarantee uh how long they're going to be and once i sell these um it's probably going to be a while before i have the chance to put it, all the stuff together to to make more kits so and it depends if they take a long time to sell i may i may just decide it's not worth it if they sold out right away um, maybe i'd start making more um, but anything i'm anyway i'm i'm gonna just read through this advertisement here um, that i put together it's a make your own long distance call lure kit this kit includes everything you need to make four 4-ounce four bottles of my all-season weatherproof long-distance predator lure. Long-distance call predator lure. I use this lure on my Martin and Fisher Fisher line. Kit includes a high-quality grease base, seven different scent ingredients, including the powerful Pure Quill Skunk Essence, a pair of gloves, a piping bag to bottle the lure, because when you're dealing with grease lure, trust me, it does not pour, and it does not go through a funnel. In this grease, you're not going to melt it and four four ounce bottles so you get the glass bottles to put it in. All you need, so the only thing you need here, you get the, the mixing con- the, the container with the grease, you get the container to mix up with the different ingredients. You need a, a mixing bowl uh like a, a straight sided, it can be any size. Um but you probably want something with straight sides and a strong mixing spoon that you can mix like like say you're you're mixing a thick greasy substance with it. Um, you're going to need a strong spoon and and a nice bowl. Um, everything else is here. Yeah, you don't you don't need a single other piece of equipment in, in order to make this lure. It's it's all in this kit. Um, so for similar quality long distance call lure, you'd pay eighty dollars plus shipping for for these four bottles, and you wouldn't know what's in the lure you're using. Um, this, if I didn't. Uh, Tell you already, it's $75 free shipping. So that $75 is shipped. Um, that's a pretty good gig, pretty good deal. Uh, if you purchase all the ingredients separately to make this lure, because so so like uh, the Tonquin musk and the, the the musk and stuff, the quantity you need is 0.2 ounces to make four four ounce bottles of this lure. Um, but you can't buy it in less than one ounce bottle so you're going to have a bunch of left over which may be fine or it may not be very cost effective if you got a bunch of lure or uh, lure ingredients sitting on the shelf that you're not going to use um, so you'd be in it for close to two hundred dollars if you had to buy these all at their full quantities and you'd have all kinds of leftover ingredients with this kit you get a better deal on lure get the experience of making it yourself and have the flexibility to make modifications and tweak the lure to your liking there's nothing like trying different combinations and testing them to find out what works best on the trap line. So anyway, like I said, um, check that out if you're interested, trappingtoday.com. Uh, it's on the sidebar of the website if you're on your, your laptop or desktop computer. Um, you gotta scroll all the way down and there's an ad that says LDC lure and it's got a picture of a bottle of lure. Um, there's, there's a little thing, little button there that says buy my LDC lure. And just below it there's there's a button that says um make uh what's it say LDC lure making kit. You gotta click on that and that'll send you to the spot. It's a secure website, um secure payment method, and uh you should be all set to go. It's easy, easy to, to check out with that uh system. And as soon as I get that payment, it'll be the box will be in the mail. Um and if you need any uh you've got any questions, need any help or advice on actually making that, putting that stuff together, um, I am always available to do that. So anyway, that's, uh, oh, I just checked my email and I just sold a book. I never mentioned the Fur Profit ebook um, or Fur Profit book that I got out. I mention that in every podcast episode. Sorry for being a broken record. Um, it's kind of sales slowed down a little bit because it's not trapping season and, and we're getting into spring, but, um, that's pretty cool. I just checked my email and there was a sale. All right, so what else do we got going on? Okay, another thing, I'm, I'm doing this lure making stuff and uh, I'm experimenting along the way as I go. Like I said, I'm absolutely nowhere near an expert and uh, I what I'm trying to do is help you learn as I learn. And I made a lure and I put it up on YouTube. Um, I made a mustelid gland lure. Um, as sort of, sort of an experimental lure. Uh, mustelids, uh, that's just a term that's used to describe uh, the animals in the weasel family. So basically what I had was uh, some of the marten, Fisher, and weasels that I skinned out. I saved the glands from, from them and I just put them in, in plastic bags and had them out, outside frozen. And I brought them into the fur shed left them there for a while, they got a little stinky, and I decided, you know what, I I want to just put together a little gland lure here, uh, so that I can have something to use on my line where I can put, apply this inside the, you know, the, we, we trap with these wooden boxes, these lynx exclusion devices, sometimes the animals don't want to go in the box, and I want to put a little bit, something there that, get their curiosity, make them, feel like another animal was there and maybe give him a little better comfort level that you know this you know if if there's scent gland scent from another animal um that that i'm uh, i'm used to used to smelling and it's in that box well maybe that means i can go in there and and it's not dangerous uh so anyway whatever for whatever that's worth um i i basically put those glands all together I added glycerin to them and I blend, ground them up in a blender, um, pulverize them into a nice uh, liquid with uh, you know gl- just gland and glycerin, and then I made a mistake. So, I, I, I didn't have quite the volume that I wanted to get. I had like I don't know two and a half ounces or so. I wanted a four ounce bottle, and I wanted to add some more. Uh, calling power, and, you know, just a little little bit more musk scent to the lure. And so I added a half ounce of Tonquin musk and a half ounce of Muscaro musk. And after I added that in, I mixed it up, and just as soon as I smelled it, uh, after I mixed it, I I I wh- I overdid it. Um, and, and what happened was I, I think the lure's still going to work fine but it's not going to have the intended scent that I was going for uh, the gland scent is going to be there but it's going to be way overpowered by the musks and uh, th- that was just kind of a lesson learned I should have added just a, a little bit made sure I could still smell the glands good but I, I added way too much I got my volume but it wasn't the exact lure that I wanted. So um, I actually had a guy comment on, on the YouTube video and he's like, dude, way too much. That's definitely gonna overpower. And I was like, yeah, I kind of, I, I, I get that. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> I screwed up. So anyway, I'm still gonna use it. And, and I think, like I said, I, it'll work fine. The, the Tonquin in the muscaro is gonna give it even more calling power and everything. But uh, the the gland the glands aren't going to come out as as strongly as I'd hoped. So we'll do it again next time. We'll make another one with uh, with far less. We'll probably measure those musks in drops as opposed to ounces, and we'll see we'll see where that gets us. So anyway, that's that's about it for now. Um, I'm gonna try to keep uh, doing stuff on trapping today. I I'm posting a few things here and there losing a little bit of steam because we're getting into spring uh, as soon as this snow decides to start melting I'm gonna have all kinds of other projects to work on so uh, I I do hope to, to stay on the, the trapping stuff as much as I can and try to update you with podcast uh, uh, fairly regularly but you know what we'll just have to take it as it comes um, I notice a lot of guys aren't going on the trap on the website uh much either. It's uh, Everybody's kind of preoccupied, but um, I hope to, to keep uh, keep into trapping as much as I can throughout the summer. There's a lot to do to get ready for next season. I'm already super pumped up and excited about next year's Martin trapping. Um, I, getting my line set up, uh, probably going into a bunch of new territory, building new boxes, scouting places out. Um, I think I, I mentioned this on on the the podcast, maybe is is uh, you know I I want to have a renewed energy and focus and and have this enthusiasm for trapping. I don't want to get discouraged and and uh, wear myself out and try to you know trap like a uh, like there's a special formula or trap by the odometer or the truck or anything. You know I want to explore and and uh, and really enjoy myself and think about all these different sets and and. Hopefully that will result in some fur. I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. I think it's going to be a good season. Um, may even do a little early coyote trapping. If if, uh, if my other work obligations uh, are lined up to where I can, can find time for that, um, that would be great. So anyway, keep on uh, talking trapping, thinking trapping. I know it's not the season, but uh, only a few months now, and, and we'll be in the next season. There's always something to do. There's always something to learn. Uh, Take care, and we'll catch you in the next episode. Thanks.